and you've been listening to the news on RTHK. Morning and welcome to the week on three. I'm Christy Lai. Hope you're all having a great start to your day. This week has been such a momentous week for Hong Kong as we celebrate the victory of athletes Edgar Chungkalong and Shivan Hahi, where they won Olympic medals for fencing and swimming, respectively. Congratulations to both of them and to all Hong Kong athletes for their hard work. Speaking on the topic of the Olympics, athletes sacrifice a lot of their free time to prepare for competitions and sports meets. Some even chose to suspend their studies to train full time. To make us understand more about what athletes go through and how they manage their emotions during events, Danny Gettings and Anna Fenton spoke to Karen Lowe, sports and performance psychologist of Inner Edge, and Trisha Leahy, chief executive of the Hong Kong Sports Institute, on Wednesday's back chat about what it takes to become a gold medalist. Oh, look! It's a fantastic achievement. We're so happy for him and. Um You know, as you say, yeah, it's really for us now for these next ten days that we have left of the Olympics. It's all about um, getting down to business, getting the job done, focusing on each step as it happens, and uh, moving on to try and get the best results that, that that we can for Hong Kong. And this is what every athlete in Tokyo is focusing on right now. Every coach, all of the scientific and medical staff, all of the Olympic Committee members who are there supporting the athletes. So it's a very exciting time, and uh, we are so happy for um, uh, John Galong and his absolutely superb performance. It was such a, a textbook, clinical precision. It was really such a, a happy and exuberant kind of uh, expression of excellence. So we were so happy about that. And what kind of influence do you think that success is going to have on the rest of the team? Well, I think. Um, One of the major impacts will be that um, it hopefully offloads a lot of the pressure on the other target um, athletes who look like they're in contention for a medal. Um, and you know, so always uh, as you go to the Olympics, Hong Kong has always had such a small delegation, and uh, the, the the number of athletes who can even make a play just to get in the top eight. Or you know, get onto the podium is always very very small. Um, this time we have a very talented generation of athletes, and more than one of them has the potential to really fight for a medal. So I think this first gold medal coming uh, early in the games is going to be um, a great motivation for everyone else and a releasing of the burden. So I hope that it will enable them all to just really freely express their excellence. Um, without any additional pressure, and do the best they can for Hong Kong. Like you say, it was a remarkable uh, performance by Edgar Chung, Chung Kar Long, um, especially at the quarterfinal stage. He was uh, he was uh, on the brink of elimination, wasn't he? He was fourteen uh -huh. ten down at, at one point yep. uh, against uh, against the, uh, the the Russian fencer. Um, mm. I mean, w w what sort of effort does it take? What sort of mental effort does it take to sort of uh, you know come back from a position like that? Well, it absolutely takes a supreme mental effort, absolutely fine-tuned focus. And I think um, Edgar's dad, you know, he's, he's been in the media recently also commenting on this, said it quite well. You know, if this was back in 2016, um, 
Ga Long would may not have been able to pull it together. Uh, but you can see the development of him as a mature competitor from then to now, just being able to focus on each point as it comes up, fine-tune, stay in the present, each second, each microsecond counts, and that's what it takes, you know, in a sport like fencing to be able to operate at that level. So I was so touched that Galang was saying how uh, it's like a dream come true. He never expected it. You know, we always expect it with an athlete of his talent and with a system around him, with the support from his family, the support from the school, um, that's why college where he, he uh, was a member and with the support from the society and everything that the Hong Kong Sports Institute can set up around his development, um, then, you know, in a way, we're not surprised. It was going to happen sooner or later. We're just really happy that it happened here at, um, at the Tokyo Olympics. OK, well, let, let's bring in uh, Karen Lowe, who's a sport and performance uh, psychologist uh, with Inner Edge. Um, uh, Karen, how do you train uh, athletes to deal with situations like that? You know, when, uh, when it looks like, um, you know, their chance is gone and they've got to dig deep and come back and, you know, uh, take uh, victory from the jaws of defeat, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. Thank you morning. Uh, for having me. Yes, um, it's, I think it's a, it's a long-term working process um uh you know i've established uh re close working relationships with athletes early on uh it's not about you know having that quick fix and you know oh what do you say to an athlete between points or what do you say to an athlete when they're you know down by a couple points it's about having that relationship and understanding what their personality is understanding what their strengths and uh improvements areas of improvement and then um I guess preparing, mentally preparing them that this might happen and how do we effectively respond to those situations when they happen. So we usually have, we usually train the, uh, the mental side of the game very early on and we try and rehearse for it. We try and talk about it. We discuss what's going to happen in Tokyo. And then when it happens, then, you know, they, they, they will, they will know that they have a plan at hand. Is there a big difference between um, between different sports in the way that uh, you know you you, you approach uh, sports psychology? Um, no, I wouldn't say that there is a big difference. I would say that it's it's pretty much uh, 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 pretty similar across all sports. Um, of course, there are personality differences, um, individual sports uh, versus team sports, um, and and with a team, there's always more people to think about. There's always the coaches. There's also also the teammates. Uh, the team dynamics are also very important. That that could be a deciding factor uh, for the team to to succeed. Um, but at the same time, if you think about an individual sport there is also a team so um i wouldn't say that there's a there's a big difference i, I would say that uh, you know it's it's equally important across all sports and that was karen lowe and trisha Leahy on wednesday's back chat and the very best of luck to team hong kong make us proud and do your best at the remaining events we now hear the word fake news often it usually refers to information that isn't true Fake news is much more prevalent than you think. We often see them floating around social media platforms such as Facebook, WeChat, and more. Without verifying information, it can cause public panic, mistrust between people, and more. Radio 3 intern Samuel Lee talked to AFP digital verification reporter Wazi Mirza and Stephanie Jean Zhang, assistant professor of Department of Communication Studies at Hong Kong Baptist University, about how we can identify and fact-check information by ourselves. 
We occasionally receive this information through our messaging apps and social media, but when you put these titles to Google in his search, it won't take long for you to find out that you have just found a piece of misinformation. But how do we distinguish fact from fiction? Before we dive deeper into this, let's start by defining disinformation and the other variants of false or even malicious information. I know more about disinformation, misinformation, and fake news. So usually, when we talk about misinformation, is any kind of false information, right? But it can be very, very broad. It can be problematic content. It can be poor journalism, you know, or typos, etc. For disinformation, it has to be false information or fabricated information disseminated or produced with a motive. Right, and usually a malicious motive, kind of political or financially driven. And then lastly is fake news. Basically, fake news is any kind of disinformation or misinformation that is kind of displayed in a news format. They try to pretend to be a news broadcast or a news article, but in fact they're not. Or they try to pretend to be a post published by a news website. But、uh, in fact, it's not.、Right. So、uh, you can imagine BBC.com, but if you look carefully, the logo actually says BCC.com. And when we see suspicious information, is it a good way to simply copy the title and content to your search engine and see if there are fact-checking reports or if other media reported on the issue? Google searches is a very good way. Either it's a text form or official form, are kind of a good way to start fact-checking. But if you are talking about like higher level, it requires you to kind of contact to find out the original source and to contact the primary source to see if it's true or false. And from our experience, it's really tough. Just like reporters, sometimes you contact a person, that person might not reply. Um, they might just ignore you. So um, it's really hard. I should say. But in general, before you Share a piece of information. Try to at least click into the link. Many people just skim through a Facebook post and then, okay,、uh, by this headline, I think it suits you. I'm going to send it to you. But click into it, right? Go through it to see does this piece of information provide any kind of sources. It doesn't say well. Perhaps well, we have sources saying this, but without the exact source, then we should be suspicious. And before you send it to your friends or family members, think about it first. I think sometimes we just do it so kind of、um, spontaneously, right?、Um, stop and think is a very very important step, basically. And Wanse Mirza, digital verification reporter at AFP, also suggested reverse image searches. It's a very common process because I think everybody just uses Google to constantly check if something is right or not. But there are ways to refine this process further. But perhaps the easiest thing to do, which also is like the most bang for its buck, is called a reverse image search. And you can do it through Google. You can do it through a lot of different search engines, where you take a piece of picture or break a video up into different pictures as well, and then you can search that picture. To see if there are similar pictures that have been uploaded in the past, that's a very common tactic we use. If we think that an image is being shared out of context, a reverse image search can help us determine if it's been uploaded in the past, what the context was, and it's a fairly easy way to do it as well. Apart from checking it ourselves, fact-checking services also came to being in recent years. How do they prove themselves credible, and how do they do fact-checks? What we do to build our own reputation 
is to be independent and be transparent, right? By independent, I'm saying financially independent. Um, we're funded by the school, by the university, or by some external grants. If we do have a sponsor in the future, we will make it very clear on our website to to make sure people know about it. And also by transparent is that we want to make the whole fact checking procedures very very transparent. So every single reader when they read our fact checking report, they can actually follow the report. Right, we have all the references, all the links. They can follow every single step of our report, and they should be able to come up with the exact same or a similar verdict. And after listening to all these, how do we distinguish genuine information from false ones? I should also actually place a caveat here, that even if you follow all of the techniques that I'm about to tell you, the chances of the thing in question being wrong are not reduced to zero. So you you could follow all of these things and still be misled, and you know that's unfortunate. But anyway, first of all, trust news articles over random posts. So if it's a random Facebook post, a message on WhatsApp, or wherever else you are, verify it with a trusted news source rather than just somebody saying it, right? But okay, what if the news article gets it wrong? Or you know, I can't remove that possibility. So. Okay. Try to see maybe two or three different outlets reporting on the same incident. That increases the chances of the main body of it at least to be true. And at this age, what recommendations would they give to us? I would recommend people to include, you know, fact-checking services in their daily diet of information. We we all are usually tied into news outlets that we follow. Start following a fact-checking service as well. You can look up the International Fact-Checking Network and their signatories list. I think that's a good place to start. So yeah, like follow them as well. And if you guys have any content that you think is potentially problematic and you would like people to investigate it, then by all means send it to us. We're always looking for something to debunk. And that was Stephanie Jinzung and Wazim Mirza speaking to Radio Three intern Samuel Lee about misinformation and fake news. Hopefully, you have learned a couple of tricks for yourself. I've always wanted a furry friend growing up. Like many people in Hong Kong, I didn't have the adequate space for them to run around and play. Plus, us Hong Kongers are workaholics, and we spend most of our day at school or at work, while they stare at the door waiting for us to come home. In recent months, there have been many pet abandonment cases as people are choosing to migrate. The Hong Kong Paws Foundation has not only been finding new homes for abandoned pets, but also rehoming and rescuing stray animals. Val Wong of Hong Kong Paws Foundation spoke to Noreen Mir on Monday's Wednesday Three Show about the process and what it takes to give a new life to these poor creatures. Okay.、Uh, well, we don't have any official employees, so I'm really one of the volunteers, and I help out mostly on fundraising, social media.、Um, Well, most of the things that we need to do really day to day. Sometimes it's admin work. Sometimes it's like even marketing or like graphics and yeah. So just yeah. everything. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So you're basically、um, a volunteer-driven、uh, organization. Who are these volunteers typically?、Um, pe- people like you and I who have regular jobs who who just love animals. Correct. Correct.、Uh, we only have. Well, our founder, she is a retired、um, lady, so she is dedicated full time to the animals and the work we do. But everyone else,、uh, I would say that the core group of us may be around ten people. We、yeah. all have our、um, day jobs, like day jobs, desk job, and yeah, we we help out when we have some free time on hand. 
Yeah. yeah. So, so what does it entail to, to be a volunteer? Because since you're a charity and also a, a non-profit, mm-hmm. are you always on the lookout for volunteers to help out? Yeah, we are. We are. Uh, well, we need people of different talents. Uh, first of all, I don't really know how to do graphics. So I'm <laughs> like, this is an appeal for our listeners. Yes. <laughs> Trying so very hard. And then at my age, I really shouldn't be doing most of the work for social media. And I'm doing, you know, all the Facebook Live, all the IG Live. So we're looking for younger people who love animals. To, to help us. Uh, most of uh, the volunteers, including myself, came to know about the foundation when we adopted from us, from the foundation to begin with. And then we got to know about the work, we believe in the mission, and we believe in, like, that we have the same goals, basically, right, to protect the animals. That's why we became regular volunteers for the foundation. Um, so, so uh, with the work that, uh, apart from you and the volunteers, do at Hong Kong Paws Foundation, what's the work at Hong Kong Paws Foundation? There's, you specialize in animal rescue and also pet adoption. Let's break it down a little bit. With animal rescue, talk us through the process. So if somebody was to spot um, a stray cat or cat, an abandoned cat, can they contact Hong Kong Paws and what will happen? Uh, yes, uh, so a lot of our rescue cases uh, come from, you know, just people reaching out to us. We don't have a hotline. <laughs> uh, the number that we uh, put on our social media uh, is really our foundation, um, our founder's personal mobile phone. Personal mobile. Correct. Wow. Correct. Yeah. So, so she gets a lot of calls, a, a lot of messages on, on like WhatsApp and yeah. WeChat, etc. Um, yeah. So, so the work is really, as you mentioned, uh, twofold. Like the first is the rescue work. Uh, we call it the field work sometimes. We have volunteers uh, in, in all areas of Hong Kong, right? And most of the stray dogs or stray cats that we rescue, I would say, are from new territories. Oh. So our volunteers, when they have time, sometimes it's before work or after work or even weekends, they would go and look for animals who need help. Wow. Yeah, so we have a couple of them who are like really experienced in going up on the mountains and trying to trap those animals like sometimes they could be you know dehydrated malnutritioned or injured right yeah. um living in the wild anything can happen and uh, some of them are new mummies like um with oh. with their litter um yeah. of cats or dogs so we try to get to them uh before it's too late and we would bring them to our temporary shelter we would get them the medical need that they need and then we will put the photos or um like videos on our social media accounts and try to get them either um like a foster family uh, to take care of uh, to take care of them uh, for the interim or to get them formally adopted yeah, yeah so so that's that uh, but the other part of the work uh i uh, i'm sure some of the listeners might have heard is tnr uh like trap neuter and release right because uh we have to admit that sometimes the animals that we see in the mountains or on the streets are not suitable to be rehomed mm-hmm. um and so we do work with sbca um, we do send animals to SPCA for desexing, for neutering, yeah. and then release them back to um, their habitat. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Where do these animals come from? Are they sort of stray animals or, or were they pets before and sort of got released? Uh, yeah, uh, who are these animals? Yeah, yeah, both really. Uh, some of them were just born stray, uh, you know, born in the mountains, and then the puppies or the kittens became father and mothers on their own, and then they started, you know, just populating. Mm. Uh, so, so that's that. And uh, especially in the new territories, I think uh, a lot of dogs were kept as uh, guard dogs on the uh, construction sites. Yes, and car parks as well. Correct, correct, correct. That, yeah. correct. Or warehouses. Wow. Um, and when they're no longer required, their services are no longer required, sometimes it's just released 
onto the street. We 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 get um, a lot of these calls, yeah, for help because. Yeah. Yeah. Val, are, are, are those sort of animals suitable to be rehomed? Because if they are guard dogs, then they're supposed to be quite alert and I don't want to use the word fierce, but mm. you know they they have to have that sort of energy to scare people off. Correct. Um, um, are they suitable to be rehomed, or are they just sort of essentially wild dogs? Well, I, I can't say a hundred percent of them yeah. would would, uh, would be suitable to be rehomed, but we try as hard as we can, as much as we can. So we would try to keep them in the temporary shelter for a period, and then observe whether we're able to transform them. Like, of course. Uh, we need Some to put a lot like of time to be on their own. Correct, after, yeah. correct. Yeah, but but like a couple of years ago, we have a stray dog. She was adopted at the age of five. So for the first five years, a, a dog can live, I guess, like fifteen, 15 years. Fifteen, yeah, yeah. So for one third of her life, she was living as a stray, and then she had to scavenge for food, and then really fight off other dogs on the street. But when she finally was adopted, she just made the best best Aww. pet yeah for the family like with really good with the children yeah. good with the elderly good with other dogs when she, she goes on her walk so sometimes we we do have like successful cases like that and it's just like that's yeah that's so heartwarming to hear yeah yeah, yeah. basically wow. that's the purpose why, yeah. why we, we do this Val Wong on Monday's 123 show if you would like to welcome a new friend into your home you can visit the Hong Kong Pods Foundation website at hkpods.org Live music has been virtually non-existent in Hong Kong for the past year and a half. But now, it's back! And on Thursday's Morning Brew, singer-songwriter Paul Roth performs live on the show by a way of inviting you to What the Folk HK, which is happening tonight at 8 o'clock at Takeout Comedy in Soho. Paul will be performing along with acoustic duo On the Ground and the Hong Kong Welsh Male Voice Choir. Let's listen now to Paul on Morning Brew a couple days ago and his folk ballad, By the Pier. Let me whack this verb on. <laughs> Don't forget the verb. <laughs> Sitting by the pier, waiting for a friend you called out Because I was sitting there alone and thought that I might want someone to share a drink with maybe you needed some cheer And I talked about my life and regrets as You shared your doubts of the one that you're with You told me you loved him But couldn't be sure that he was who you wanted with this And it's so easy hitting the connection when nothing could happen here And it never would have worked But it's nice to dream and concoct a story of what could have been But if you're looking for perfection, it's not something you'll find in me What you do, and then I'm not yet famous, so the song will never get to you. But I hope you find the answers to what it is that you're going through. But I enjoy my time with you and talking our lives through. So, sweet girl, I met. Oh, I wish you, I wish you the best. Even you'd moved up 
far for your man, which is something that I could understand. It was easy to care and easy to share and easy to feel for you then. You told me your problems, you told me your fears, didn't want to lose your twenties. Fighting for a man who you can't see changing to the point where people can change wasn't something you believe. And how do we get so deep? Oh, still nothing could happen here, and it never would have worked. But it's nice to dream and concoct the story of what could have been. But if you're looking for perfection, it's not something you'll find in me. And I'll never know in life what you're doing. And then I'm not yet famous, so the song will never get to you. But I hope you find the answers to what it is that you're going through. But time was just too eager, so when time said to leave, and you asked for my number, made sense to you, and it surely made sense to me. But I've never been inclined to infidelity, and I wasn't gonna start exploring possibilities. But that doesn't mean that. After you left, I didn't wish that there was some other answer I could give. Would it be wrong? Given all you told me, still in my mind, I know what's right. And it never would work, but it's nice to dream and concoct the story of what could have been. But if you're looking for perfection, Not something you'll find in me, and I'll never know in life what you're doing. And then I'm not yet famous, so the song will never get to you. But I hope you find the answers to what it is that you're going through. But I enjoyed my time with you and told. And that was Paul Roth, who was on Morning Brew with Phil two days ago, in By the Pier. Catch him tonight live at What the Folk HK at Take Out Comedy. And finally, on Thursday's afternoon drive is your one and only Steve James, bringing you his latest choice of the week. I'm Christy Lai. Oh. 
though the factories may be roaring with the boom a lack a zoom a lack a wee tickety dee but there isn't any roar when the clock strikes four. four everything stops for tea and everybody oh they may be playing football and the crowd is yelling kill the referee kill the referee but no matter what the call when the clock strikes four yeah everything stops for tea well 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 our tea break this afternoon this day 1958 Fans of rock and roll music were being warned that tuning into music on the radio, particularly the car radio, could cost you more money. If you were listening in the car, researchers from the SO Gas Company said that the rhythm of rock and roll could cause the driver to be foot heavy on the pedal, making them waste fuel. And so, to avoid playing the fuel guzzling devil's music for our tea break this afternoon, Returning to this day, 1968, uh, this is when Cass Elliot, this very day, released her first solo single following the breakup of the Mamas and the Papas. The song had been around since 1931 and had been recorded by Frank Sinatra, Frankie Lane, lots of people not named Frank, uh, many, many others. It's a huge song. Cass's version would be the most successful. Here is Mama Cass in 1968 and Dream a Little Dream of Me. Can 